This is Alive with Joseph. Look at the picture on the screen. How many of you have seen this picture before? If you have seen the picture before, raise your hand. Okay. Those of you that have seen the picture before, you are not going to talk now. Um, those who have not seen this picture, can I see your hand? You've never seen it before. Okay, now look at this picture and tell us what you are seeing. We will need Mike. Because you have to talk. Don't see too many things. Only one thing you must see. Where do we start? Start with you. You see a woman? A woman. Why must you see a woman? Okay. How old? How old? The age? Young of, of, of about how old? 25, 20, 25, 30. All right. Praise God. All right. Have you seen it before? You have seen it for the first time? Okay. Who will go second? All right. Are you seeing the picture for the first time? Yes, it's for the first time. You are seeing an old woman's face. Okay, old woman. He's, he saw a young person. No, leave the mic with him. He saw a young person and you are seeing old woman. All right, age bracket. Can you place her within an age bracket? In her 60s. In her 60s. Okay. Who we go third? Okay, let's vote. If you have a, a contrary opinion, I can hear you. If you are seeing something that is not a human being, I can hear you. If you are seeing a man, I can hear you. But if all we are seeing is a lady, a woman, young and old, then we have to vote. Um, if you are seeing a young lady from 18 to 30, raise your hand. Come on, you have to vote. All right? Praise God. If you are seeing an older woman from 60 above, raise your hand. Oh, few people. I'm not talking to those who have seen the picture before. Only three people, five. Okay, you come. You saw a young lady, like, and it seems you are winning. Your vote is higher than his vote. All right, come. Give us the second picture. This is the colored version. Are you still still an old woman? You're changing your mind. No, no. Take a stand. Don't allow anybody to influence you. Stand where you stand. You are still seeing an old woman? Okay. Are you still seeing a young lady? Can we have a microphone? Why are you seeing an old woman? Tell us. Describe her features. The okay. eyes. This is the nose. This is uh, the eyes, the lips, the chin. Where is the lips? This, yeah. Come. Do you agree that this is her lips? No. What is that? Necklace. Use your mic. Yeah, I'm seeing the, the necklace. Yeah. This is necklace. Yeah. This is the, the ear. This is the ear. Yes, but it says it's the eye. Yes, the ear. And this is the eyes. She's trying to look. Okay. Now shift. Those of you that have seen, that saw the young lady before, raise your hand. You know, earlier you saw a young lady, raise your hand. Raise it. Stand on your feet. It's time for a word. Stand on your feet. Okay, look at the picture again. This man said that this is necklace. Is that what you are seeing? You change your mind? Okay, if you change your mind, sit down. 
Are you still seeing necklace here? Is it still necklace? Red necklace. Okay, still standing. Let me tell you. This is the picture of an 80-year-old woman. There's no young person here. The young person is in your interpretation. You want to come closer, you can come. This is her chain. Look at it. Yes. This is like a shawl she's putting on her shoulders. And she's bending like this. This is her chain. This is her lips. Oh. If you have seen the old woman, sit down. If you have not seen the old woman, stand. You have seen the old woman, sit down. If you are still seeing a young person, stand. I'm here for you. Come, pastor. You, you are still seeing a young person. Come. We shouldn't pretend here. Come. No, you can't see two. No, you have to see one. It's one person. Because when you see double, you see nothing. No, you can't see two. So, can I describe it? Or maybe it has been described already. Describe what you are seeing. It has been described already. And one of the things that I made me wonder if indeed it's a white woman, it's a, it's a woman, it was it's an old woman, was the hair. Because if it was an old woman, the hair would have been either no, white. So, that's why I was No, convinced. people use dye to dye their hair. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but when you look at it, it's that it's a, it's an, if it's a young woman, um, she's wearing a no, white... No, no, you are... Talking, you are talking from your mind. Yeah. Look at the picture. Yes, yes. No, I'm, look, I'm looking at the picture. I'm seeing both. What do you see? I see both a young woman and an old woman on the same picture. This is political. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. Now, let me tell you, life is about sight. Life. Is about sight and sight is about interpretation that you look does not mean you are seeing right perception is the key to growth to transformation at the beginning you saw a young lady because of interpretation because you interpreted this to be necklace. The same features you saw is what everybody saw, but interpretation. And sometimes we are ready to argue even when we are not seeing correctly. We are even ready to fight. Even, in, even when the interpretation we are giving is not right. And now, you were exposed to this picture for a few seconds and you saw a young lady. Meanwhile, she's an old woman. But your exposure, that's experience, that's background, that's upbringing. And some of us have decided not to leave what we saw first. We have decided to get stuck with the first picture we saw. And we are finding it a hard time to tell you to take a second look. That you have seen a particular picture consistently for 50 years doesn't make it right. And until you see correctly, you can't change. 
Some of us are stuck with our early childhood pictures. What our mother did, what our father did. We have become deterministic. We have come to accept that our past defines our present and our past will always define our future. And we forgot that we are free moral agents. One of the most powerful things that God put in us is the ability to make choice. You can choose today and say, it doesn't matter what my past has been. I'm going to have a different future. Praise God. And when Jesus came, he was working miracles. Can you project John 3 verse 3 for us? I'll read from John 1, 3 verse 1. He was working miracles. He was doing things. Some people were criticizing. Some people were doubting. Some people were believing. Some people were receiving. Some people were arguing. Some people were attacking. Some people were accepting. But there was one wise man who decided to go and ask questions. He said, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. He wasn't an ordinary person. In fact, later Jesus called him a teacher of Israel. He has been teaching before Jesus was born. But he has also been observing what was going on in Jesus' ministry. Instead of condemning, instead of judging from outside, he decided to go closer and have a second look. Now, verse 2, he says, The same came to Jesus by night. Why? He wouldn't want people to look at him as an intellectual and say, are you also deceived by that thing? But my problem wasn't whether he went by night or day. At least he went. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. And look at Jesus. You would have expected, if you are the one that have this compliment, you would have expected Jesus to jump into the conversation. But look at Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be what? Born again. He cannot see. So he was telling Nicodemus, Even what you are, descri- what you are describing, you have not seen. This conversation you want us to go into, Nicodemus, we can't go into it. Because you are looking at what I am doing. That's not the place to look at. It's not what I'm doing, it's who I am. What I'm doing comes from who I am. And we can't go into the conversation of what I'm doing and how I'm doing it unless you become like me. Because if you don't become like me, you can see what I'm doing. Now, Jesus was not even talking about entering into the kingdom. He was talking about seeing. Because what you see shapes your attitude. Take, for example, you are young, maybe 20, 25, you are looking for your wife. And you saw that beautiful young lady. What happened? Your head started turning. <laughs> you want to marry her. And then people are telling you, no, you can't marry her. I say, no, that's my wife. If you want to be religious, you say, no, God spoke to me. <laughs> that's my wife. Because you are seeing a young lady. And others who are seeing better, we are pleading with you. Brother, you can't marry her. He said, no, don't tell me that. And you are ready to fight. Then you start quarreling. You start cutting yourself off because they say you shouldn't marry her. And then you kept on praying and thanking God and prophesying, Lord, I decree this is my wife. I possess her by fire, by force. <laughs> because you are responding to what you have seen, not who she is. 
We don't see things the way things are. We see things the way we are. Every time you describe what you are seeing, you are describing who you are. So you can't see the other way unless you become the other way. And so suddenly somebody convinced you and suddenly you saw mouth where you thought was necklace. And you shouted like some of our brothers, wow, oh, ah. And they said, okay, come and pay with Lobola. He said, no. He said, no, we have accepted that you married. He said, no. Come and pay Lobola. He said, no. No. Why? When you see differently, you turn differently. So I said, man, what do you see? I said, man, when you look at your sons, what do you see? Do you see opportunity for investment? Or do you see distraction? What do you see? Your perception forms your attitude. Your attitude defines your behavior. Your actions are provoked by what you see. What do you see in your wife? Has she hurt you? Yes. Are you wounded in your heart? Yes. Are you bleeding? Yes. But to see the devil in her, you must have become a devil. Because it takes a devil to see a devil. Remember, we see the way we are. If there is offering, you know, we collected offering and it's not counted. And we put it in a room. And this young man walked into the room, come, and nobody was there. After five, he stayed ten minutes, and nobody can tell what he's doing there. Of course, in offering room, nothing else is happening there, but he wasted time. And then he came out and put, it, put your hands in your pocket and walked out of the place. And a thief has been around watching him. Sit down. Someone who cannot enter there without stealing money has been watching him. <laughs> As he's coming out, what do you think that the thief will see? You will see a thief. You will see a thief. Because in his imagination, nobody can enter there and come out. Because he cannot enter there and come out. So it takes a thief to see a thief. Now, this young man come is with a beautiful lady, charming lady. And they are in a dark place, two of them alone, talking, laughing. Sometimes they become quiet. And no, they are not talking again. <laughs> and after some time, they come out of the dark place holding hands. And there's another brother who cannot be with a girl like that without doing something. And you are telling him that, that they were just discussing mathematics. <laughs> Will he believe? Even if an angel tells him, what's your name? John. Sean. Sean. Even if an angel tells him that Sean is righteous, he says, no, not the one I saw with my eyes. <laughs> it takes an immoral person to see an immoral person. Come on. So what do you see? Sometimes after we have been exposed to a particular kind of life for a long time, we don't believe that another type of life exists. 
Today is breakfast. We are not going to do much. But I promise you, I'm going to come back. When we will have... We will have one week in what we call the school of manhood. Because no one has taught us how to be a man. And there is no school called the school of manhood. If they taught you, nobody taught me. I just got to a certain age I knew I wanted to marry. And I got married. And we started marrying, and we are still married. We keep trying it. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it didn't work. But God has helped us now out of what we have seen, out of what we have encountered, out of what we have faced. That there is need for a school. So that our own sons will not go through what we went through. Some of us, some of us didn't know our fathers. Some of us didn't see our fathers. Some of us can't remember, don't even know who the grandfather is. Some of us are even bearing a name that is not supposed to be our family name. Some of us, the only information we have is what our mother told us, if she's alive, or what our grandmother told us. Some of us, we can't sit down and put history of our lineage for 200 years. Now, that's fine. Somebody will have to bear that pain and change the narrative. But 200 years from now, in your own lineage, it will not be the same. Amen. Your father didn't take care of you. Are you not going to take care of your own son? Praise God. Okay, how many minutes do I have? Okay. Jeremiah 3 verse 15. So when you are asked to define what a man is, how do you define it? Jeremiah 3 verse 15. Read with me, everybody. One, two, go if you can see it. And I will give you pastors according to my heart which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. You are the first pastor for your family. In fact, another version says, I will give you shepherds. The word pastor appeared only twice in the Bible, in the whole Bible. In Ephesians 4, 11, and here. God's kind of leaders are shepherds. So if you are the head of the family, you are. You are. You are. The wonders of a man is this man here. As a healthy young man, if you give him 80 million ladies, 80, 80 million, he can impregnate all of them in one month. And in one month, 80 million children will be born. And South Africa is no more than 60 million people. So we are saying that one man here is carrying a nation in him. And if this man wastes, a nation is wasted. Hear this. Death is not the worst thing that can happen to any man. Everybody will die with time. 
the worst thing that happens to us is what dies in us while we are alive. Two hundred years from now, will anybody remember you as an ancestor and know your name? We still remember Abraham. He wasn't the only man that lived in his days. People think that money is blessing. House is blessing. Car is blessing. No. Money is not blessing. But blessing can give money. Blessing can produce cars. Blessing can produce houses. Blessing can produce money. But it's not everyone who has money is blessed. Abraham was not the only wealthy person in his time. But he was among the few whose generations are still counting. If you want to measure blessing, look at what happens with a man's generation. When God wants to bless you, he blesses your back. Those who come after you. And when God wants to deal with you, he will cut off your back. Pharaoh did all atrocities against God. God didn't do anything to Pharaoh. He took his son. So, I'm going to ask you some questions here. I hope you have a note to write them because you... We can't get the answers here. You go home and think about them. The first question, first set of questions are seven questions. Number one, are you a man? Think about this question. Second question, how did you know you were a man? Third question, what makes you a man? Fourth question, is it biological reality? That is to say, you check yourself. And every time you remove your cloth and you check yourself and you see your AK-47. <laughs> is that what makes you believe you're a man. That thing is now in the market. And the one in the shelves, don't get tired. It doesn't get old. The one that you have that is blowing your head gets tired. It gets old. So if that is what makes you think, well, if a woman needs me, women have money, they buy it in the, house, in the market. Any size. In fact, if a woman wants to torture you, if your name is maybe Martin, because when they buy them, they name them. She buys it and keeps it on the table in her bedroom and call it Martin. <laughs> so when you come into the bedroom of your wife or your woman and you find you have been replaced. Not by another man, but by a thing. How does that affect a man's mind? What makes you a man? Number five question, is it traditional interpretation? Because in our culture in Africa, we know where we place men. But that culture was formed by men. And culture changes, culture evolves. Generations after generations refine their culture. 
So culture cannot be trusted because it changes. There was a time for our ancestors, it was their culture to walk naked. And normal. It's no longer their culture. It was their culture to ride on the back of horses. Come on, are you with me? And the culture of this time is changing. We now have what they call contemporary interpretation of gender. As I am talking to you now, the Church of England is debating why must a male uh, you know, personal pronoun be used for God? Why will God be called Father? Why must we use He? Church. Because they want to have a religion of inclusiveness. So I'm waiting when they start praying our mother in heaven. <laughs> or they come with another thing, I don't know. It may not happen in our time, but it may happen in the time of our children. So how are you preparing them for that time? Think about it. Everything you learn about being a man from your father is not working. Everything you learn about fathering, if you try to father your kids the way your father fathered you now, police will arrest you. You go in for child abuse. So we are leaders on transition. We must have transitioning thinking. Stop denying change has come to stay. It's not going to go back the way it used to be. We only need to learn how to live with the change without making mistakes. So number five, is it traditional interpretation that made you a man? Number six, is it contemporary reasoning? Because these days, you can stay in what you used to know as male bedroom, toilet, in an airport, or public place. It used to be where men enter to ease themselves. And as you pull out your AK-47, and you are ministering to yourself, you know, <laughs> helping yourself. A lady walked in and, you, and said she's a man. And while you are doing your own, she's looking at it. And she said she's a man. But biologically, you know she's a woman. And then what do you do? Maybe it's a place where people are removing their clothes to take their bed. You have removed your own and you are washing your body. And she walks in there and removes her own cloth and is watching. It didn't happen with our fathers. And if you raise an alarm, you'll be committing crime, you'll be committing offense, punishable by law. So who told you that you're a man? God. Is it God? If you believe that God made you a man, then you need to find out from God what it means to be a man. First King chapter 10, verse 8 to 9. Am I wasting your time? First King chapter 10, verse 8 to 9. Remember, you are a leader. Leading a home. Or that we lead a home. Here, Queen Cheba, after visiting Solomon and saw what Solomon is, what Solomon was, what Solomon had done for his people, began to make her remark. She said, 
Happy are thy men. Happy are these thy servants, which stand continually before thee, and that hear thy wisdom. Can that be said about people who are closely related to you, that they are privileged to have you as a father, as a friend, as a manager, as a business owner? Can that be said about you? Verse 9 says, Blessed be the Lord thy God, which delighted in thee, to set thee on the throne of Israel. Why? Because the Lord loved Israel forever. Therefore, made he the king. It was out of the love of God for Israel that he gave them Solomon as a blessing. When God loves a family, when God favors a family or a people, he blessed them with a good leader. So looking at your family, will it be said that God blessed them with you? That you are a blessing? Can your wife genuinely kneel down, lift up her, her hands and say, Lord, thank you for blessing me with my husband? Or does she think that you are a curse to him, to her? Can your children kneel down and give God thanks for having you as a father? Or are they crying and saying, Lord, why did you give me such father? Are you a blessing? Because you should. You should. You have to fight. You have to fight. Fight for your destiny. Fight for the emergence of the person you should be. Fight for the release of that man that God created you to be. Some of us are made by our circumstance and situation. We are what we are today because of what we've been through. But that's not the person you are created to be. That's a creation of situation. That's a creation of circumstance. You need to fight to become the person that God made you to be. I'll read one more scripture. And I'll pray with you. Genesis 32. From verse 22 to 31. If God wants to change a nation, he changes the families first. Because what we have in the nation is what goes on in the family. And God cannot change a family without changing the men that lead the family. That's why when the devil wants to destroy a nation, he destroys the family first. And when the devil wants to destroy a family, he destroys the man. He puts, in, he puts the man in a situation where he cannot be what he ought to be to his family. So if we want to transform a nation, that's why talking to men has become a mission for me. Think about it. Go to all our prisons, all our correctional institutions. How many percent age of men do we have Western in prisons? How many percentage of women do we have in prison? How often do you hear 
that a lady walked into a club and opened and used gun and started killing people. How often do you hear that a lady is importing drugs and selling on the street? Because men are confused. Things have changed. They don't even know how to be man again. They don't know whether they are wanted or not. Children are despising them. Wife is despising them. Neighbors are despising them because of what they have gone through. They don't know whether to be a man. They don't know whether they are needed. Every day they hear from their women, I can do without you. Sometimes they hear from their mother, you are going to be useless like your father. So young boys, 12, 14, are going to school with knife in their bag. They are looking for a way to express their anger, their frustration. We are not going to leave things that way. Men must rise to take their place. But it's not by entitlement. It will be by responsibility. God will bless you. God will put honor on you. God will put money in your hand. All the things that are making people to look down on you, God will take them away. Where you have been respected, the same place you'll be honored. Where you have been rejected, the same place people will be looking after you. Because there will be a turnaround. There will be a change. Now they see you as a failure, just like we are seeing a young lady in that picture. No, you are not a failure. You may have failed in some things. That's event. That's not a person. Unless you accept. Yes, you are no good in doing some things. That doesn't color who you are. So, Genesis 32, verse 22 to 31, he said, And he rose up at the night and took his two wives and his two women servants and his eleven sons and passed over for Jacob, for Jebok. And he took them and sent them over to the brook and sent over that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And there restored a, a man with him until the breaking of the day. Have you ever been alone? I'm not saying lonely. Being alone is different from being lonely. Being alone means being sober. Being alone is withdrawing yourself from all the things around. Being alone is leaving your car, leaving your job, leaving your title, leaving your good house, forgetting what you have in the bank, and ask yourself, outside of all these things, who am I? Because there are people now who are following you Singing your name, loving you, but it's because of what is around you. Any day you are found without any of those things, you will know that the connection has never been with you. That's why when they meet you walking without your car, they will not ask you, man, how are you? The first question is, what of your car? They have not asked you, did you sleep last night? How are you feeling? So here Jacob was left alone. When he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the whole of his thigh. And the whole of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Verse 26, and he said, let me go for the day break it. And Jacob said, I will not let you go except you bless me. And the next verse and he said unto him, What 
is thy name? And he said, Jacob. Verse 28. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince, thou hast power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. For the very first time in the life of Jacob, he was alone. He has always been a mother's baby. People will always come to fight for him. For the very first time, he always do things and get away with it. When he was young, the father was about to put a blessing on his elder brother. The mother heard it and said, go and take the blessing. He said, no, but my father will fight. He said, don't worry. I will give you what will make you confuse your father. And she did. And Jacob said, no, if my father discovered that I'm not Esau, he's going to put a curse on me. The mother said, don't worry. Let the curse be upon me. When Jacob, when Esau wanted to retaliate, the father and the mother packaged him and sent him out of the house. He got to the uncle's place. He wanted to marry one wife. He ended up with four. He paid Lobola for two and got two free. <laughs> four. One wife will come and say, no, since I'm not having a child, take my maid. He won't question it. Are you sure? Yes. You want me to take your maid? Are you sure? He said, no problem. Send her to, me, to my room. So he never did anything. The people will always come out. He was slippery. He was deceptive. He was sharp. He was clever. If you hold him here, he will sleep away. But the day came. He needed to go back to his father's house. And he can't go back to his father's house without meeting Esau, whom he cheated many years ago. So he wanted to test the ground and find out whether Esau will accept him or not. He sent some men to go and tell Esau that he's ready for reconciliation. So when the men returned back to him, they told him, we saw your brother. And he said, he's coming to meet with you. But with 400 men. So what kind of reconciliation? My twin brother is coming to meet me, say yes, with 400 men. So how am I going to, how is he looking? They say he was smiling. How, what is his face like? He said he's happy to meet with you, but he's coming with 400 men. So he became afraid. He divided his, everything he owned into three and sent them in droves. In his own calculation, remember he uses brain at all times. If Esau killed the first group, the two will escape. If he killed two groups, at least one will escape. But he didn't go with any of them. He sent his wives, children, servants, animals ahead and stayed behind. That is to say, even if Esau wiped away three of them, he will escape. For the very first time, he was alone. For the very first time, he was facing himself. For the very first time, he had no excuse. For the very first time, he cannot hide. For the very first time, he must stand as a man and take responsibility. And that night, an angel came to meet him and they were fighting. They fought throughout the night. When Jacob was not prevailing, he started saying to the man, bless me. This angel didn't want the day to break. He didn't want anybody to see him. So when the day was breaking, he wanted to leave. Jacob held him. Unless you bless me, I won't let you go. And the angel turned back to him and said, what is your name? For the very first time, Jacob looked inward and said, I'm Jacob. He accepted his reality. 
he accepted his pain. He accepted his challenges, his failure. And the man said to him, from today, you will not be Jacob. You'll be called Israel. No wonder when Esau came back, when Esau eventually arrived, when Esau eventually arrived, instead of fighting his brother, he hugged him. You know why? The person who offended Esau is no more. It was Jacob who offended him. But the man he met was Israel. The Jacob in you must die for the Israel to come up. Fight! Tell yourself, I won't end like this. Tell yourself, this is not all I was born for. Tell yourself, I am bigger than this. I am more than this. I'm not going to accept defeat as my destiny. I'm not going to accept things the way they are. Fight! You know why? Battle is the seed of territory. You can't rule in any sphere of life unless you fight the battle and win. Because what you want, others want. Fight. It's not by getting drunk. Because that's a cheap way of escaping your pain. When the effect of the drink is over, you come back. Fight! Fight. And the best place to fight is in Christ. Because when you give your life to Jesus, he began to change you. All things will pass away and all things will be new. So last questions. What kind of a person have you become? What kind of a man are you? That's number one. Go home. Think about it. The second question. What kind of a man should you become? Because it is possible that who you are today is not who you should be. First one, what kind of a man are you? Second one, what kind of a man should you become? Third question, what is your mission as a man? What are you working on now? What takes your focus? What takes your attention? What mission? What mission are you working on? Number four question. What should be your mission? Because it is possible that what, you, what your mission is now is not what it should be. What should be your mission? To answer this question, you must sit down today and look into the future and say, in five years, in three years, in ten years, this is the person I want to be. This is where I want to be seen. This is where I want to be found. Number what now? Number five, what strategy are you applying now? What is your strategy for life? Because hope is not strategy. Between where you are to where you will be is a gap. Between where you are and where you want to be is a gap. Between the man you are today and the man you want to be is a gap. And to bridge that gap requires strategy. Do you have personal strategy? Because when you don't have, Satan will give you one. Friends will give you one. If you don't have plan for your life, 
you find yourself working on another person's plan. Last question. What should be your strategy? Because it is possible that the strategy you are working for, with yourself, for yourself, may not be the strategy you need. And listen to me. Nobody will make that strategy for you. Not your father. Not your wife. Not your children. Not your friends. You have to sit down. And say, these are the steps I'm going to be taking from now. Because of where I want to be in two years. Because of where I want to be in three years. Because of where I want to be in five years. When I come back, anyone whose plan is ready, we will work with that person. Pastor Joseph will always be available to tell you what to do. When you meet an obstacle on the way, he will always be there to tell you how to overcome it. It becomes a project of who you want to be in five years. And Pastor Joseph and the team of his pastors are not going to leave you until you actualize that person. They become co-project managers with you. I'm going to put in their hands tools, materials, resources that they will use to guide you into realizing that vision. That five years from now, where you have been crying, you start smiling. Where you have been despised, they start honoring you. News will spread out. And they will hear that you have become someone. And those who are already living their dream, you will begin to maximize it. And you begin to see the beauty of life. I bless you from my heart today. I bless you with wisdom. I bless you with insight. I bless you with courage. You will not give up on the way. You will not give up. 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 I bless you with courage to pick up yourself. You will dream again. I said you will dream again. I bless you with foresight. The Lord open your eyes today to see the picture of whom you could become. Some of you are carrying institutions in your mind. Some of you are carrying organizations in your mind. Some of you have OA company. Some of you have schools. Some of you have universities in your mind. Those dreams will not perish. Young man, dream again. God will bring that dream to pass. I bless you with strength. With strength. You will not be a weak man. You will not be a weak man. I bless you with wisdom. You will not be a foolish man. I bless you with honor. Nobody will dishonor you. You will begin to live a life of honor from today. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Lift up your hands, close your eyes. And we sing that song. We lay our crown. Every man here has a crown. You are meant to be a leader. A leader of your hope. But we lay our crown to Jesus. So that he will rule through us. He will rule with us. He will rule with us. Please close your eyes. With your eyes open if you don't know the song by heart. So that they can project it. From this day, you start flourishing. You will flourish as a man. You will flourish as a family. 
your children will not be useless in the name of Jesus. They will not be irresponsible. Thank you so much for listening. We believe you were blessed by the word. For more, please visit our website, www.alivewithjoseph.com, as well as subscribe to our YouTube channel, Alive with Joseph Ngokocha. Till next time, God bless.